Foxley is all about helping people to feel confident in dealing with difficult customers, build trust, and strong relationships. In this podcast, we talk to talented people to share insights and tips on how they do it. Welcome to Thinking Outside the Fox. Chris there is the CEO and co-founder of Play It Green, an award-winning subscription service and platform that helps people and businesses to become part of the climate solution. In two years, Play It Green, set up by Chris and Richard, spread to nine countries, became an accredited B Corp and has a growing membership. A Loughborough University graduate and qualified chemistry teacher, Chris spent 20 years working at two professional sports clubs and three governing bodies. His roles include salary cap manager, Super League licensing manager, the CEO of Wales Rugby League and general manager of the Rugby League European Federation. Chris has an infectious personality of positivity that has a passion for sport, sustainability, governance and business. Chris has been a speaker and panellist at many high-profile events. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you with us. A pleasure to be here and a fellow St. Helens person as well. That's fantastic. Well, I know. It's, it's great to finally meet somebody from God's own country. <laughs> I wouldn't call it God's own country. <laughs> great to be able to just to say actually what street I'm from and you know, yeah, I get it. Yeah, no, agreed. There's a funny story on... Uh, we went, um, the guys I was playing in the team with went on a representative tour to Australia and a few of the guys were from St. Helens and there's a famous pie shop in St. Helens called Pimlets. Yeah. And as a joke, they took some Pimlets bags all the way to Australia. They were watching a rugby game in a stadium and one of the St. Helens guys had bought a pie, popped it in the bag and started eating the pie. And the other guy from St. Helens was like, I can't believe there's a Pimlet. Oh, it's here. It's just, it's, it's connected to the stadium. There's a Pimlet shop here. And so the guy, the other guy from St. Helens went all the way around the stadium <laughs> asking for a Pimlet's pie shop and then came back. And uh, yeah, great joke to take a, a Pimlet's pie bag all the way to Australia just for a joke was uh, a classic. That's genius. I just love that. Amazing. <laughs> Anyway, Chris, let's talk about grit, determination. Tell me, what does it mean to you? I think it just means not giving up. And it branches into a lot of areas. But for me personally, it just means not giving up. And effort at all stages in life brings its rewards. It's, I mean, you, can't, you can't operate on luck. So you need that grit and determination to have success and and gain the whatever you wish to gain in life, whether it's a winning on the sports field or promotion in life, you've you've got to work through the problems and put the effort in. I, I totally agree with that. And and I think you've got a phenomenal career and story, and I'd I'd like you just to talk us through that a little bit now because I think that's when when we talked earlier and you talked about how important effort and grit was for you as a sportsman. I think it's gone with you. And and I'd love to hear, like share, share your story and then talk about how you got to where you've, where you've got to, which is just phenomenal. Well, I grew up in a small northern town called St. Helens. I was the first person within my family to go to university. I had obviously had a, a bit of nouse in 
to get the grades, but I got into Loughborough University, which is consistently in one of the top five universities in the country. I then captained England and Great Britain universities. I played for five different professional sports clubs and did very well on the sports field. Never elite, but always a, a good player. And then off the field, I got a job in sport and I started off at the bottom of coaching for a few years, working in community and development, and then progressed to different roles, doing Super League licensing, salary cap manager. And then for the last 10 years, I became a chief executive. So I ran a club in Wales, I ran the governing body in Wales for six years uh, as the chief executive. And then I became the CEO or the general manager of European Rugby League. So the equivalent of UEFA, but in, in the sport of Rugby League. And then after 20 years in sport, I left and set up a new business called Play It Green in a completely different sector uh, with another dad uh, from Manchester. And that has won awards, is now prevalent in 10 countries and has got B Corp and it's got big PLCs and a, a global company has just signed up last week and we've not uh, we've not announced it yet but it's a brand that everybody is a, is aware of so we've set up yeah a super successful business and on the face of it 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 looks like a, I've had a successful life but it doesn't uh, come without its problems that's for sure yeah. No. Obviously, and and how? So, what I'm intrigued by then is how important grit and determination has been to you. I mean, there must have been moments where you felt like you were going nowhere, when you felt you were being rejected, where things weren't working out for you. What What was it that kept you going? How 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 did you get through those times? Every problem is there to be worked through, and. I th a lot of your psyche in life relates to your childhood experiences. And whilst I was growing up, I was never the best at anything across the board, but I was always the second best. So I was, I was very good, but there was always somebody there, there in front of me. So Ken Drake would beat me at maths. David Shaw would beat me at sprinting. Danny Hamlin would beat me at the 400 meters. All the people's names that you remember because they were in front of you and, and better than you. But there's a whole raft of people behind you. I was the equivalent to like Daley Thompson, good at lots of things, but uh, never elite the 100 meter runner or the best yeah. at maths or whatever it may be. Yeah. And all of that was down to just putting 100% of the of effort in all the time. So. I've always associated effort brings its rewards. And then it was later on in life in the working set in the in the working sense where you realized you had to improve upon that and you had to have skill. You had to be a team player. And it's yeah there's there are moments in life where you fail. They're not failures, they're just learning opportunities because mm. success, you're not successful every single day and every single week. And in order to get to where you want to get to, 
you've got to have failures and you will come across problems, but they're just there to be worked through and you put a bit of perspective on on those problems and it, they're not life or death moments. It's it's fine. It's work or it's a family matter and they're just problems to be get through. Get through. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think that the way you describe that actually sums up why um, grit and determination is so important to you and how it's become so important to you. Because to have the attitude to see a problem as something to work through demonstrates that you're determined to keep going. And there are many people who struggle with challenges in life, who see problems, setbacks as the end, and, and they don't have that attitude. Their attitude is different. Their attitude is that it's, um, oh, well, I, I can't do it and I'm going to give up. And yet when you see the great successful people, they're the ones who talk about learning as opportunities and, and as problems as being things that I can I can learn from. And I think about some of the great talented people that I met at 15, 14, 15, 16, who were great athletes and sportsmen. And then I looked 10 years later at the people that were really successful and, and it was a different crop. And it was almost like coming second, coming third, created something, created that you know motivation to be better. Um, yeah. I remember people who were, you know, when we played rugby, who were big at 13 and 14. And they didn't develop a lot of skill because they were just so big that their size helped them. When everyone else grew up in size, they were behind because other people had worked on their skills as well. And yeah. and things like that, I think, is a great opportunity to see that, you know, you need to keep learning. Otherwise, you're standing still. Yeah. And you're right. Some problems are so big you don't get a win out of them. And relating it to sport, in 1997, a great Queensland University side came over, this representative side, and I was playing at Great Britain Universities. Mm. And the, a few of them had played in the NRL. There was a great side, and they were playing this brand of rugby that we'd not seen before. And in the tunnel, before we played the first test match, we were just looking up at them in awe, and we got beat. And in the second test match, we knew we were going to get beat because they were the better side. However, we had to show pride in performance. And we knew we were going to get beat before we even started. So we knew they were better. But we had to use it as a learning opportunity. We had to put 100% of effort in and represent ourselves and our families with pride and wherever we were from. And we lost and it was fine. But then the our side grew as a result of that performance. And then two years later, we'd be playing test matches versus New Zealand and we'd, and we'd beat them. And we'd, be, we'd beat a lot of international teams as a result of that initial problem. And in business, there's a lot of those stories and people just see the end result of life, oh, you've got the head of European Rugby League, or oh, you've got that job. Well, that took me 20 years to get there. Oh, you've got a successful business. Oh, well, that took a year of not earning any money and establishing it and take, not taking any wage and putting all your, uh, your personal savings into it. So a lot yeah. of sacrifice and problems 
happen at the beginning long a long time before you get to the end result and i think it's important to share that and credit to you for bringing the podcast and bringing that to life because the more people realize that there are everybody comes across problems everybody has adversity and therefore you've got to get through it then when they do come across it in their own lives they're, they're more likely to work through it and be better in terms of their mental health yeah i, I wonder just reflecting on what you said there that there's a price to success and the price to success is accepting that you are uh, at times you, you're in pain and, and you're going to fail and, and and not succeed. And it's just interesting that um, I, I think too often we're in a world today where people don't want to suffer. They want success. They're ambitious and they're, they're hopeful. But when when it gets difficult, when it's, you know, hard, they don't want to pay that price. And I just... Just thinking about, I've, I've been in the same situation where you're playing against teams that you know are better than you. And you, your goal is not to win. Your goal is to do, is to, is to put on a good show. And, I, and I've been in dressing rooms with, with other players and with uh, coaches who are saying, you know, let's put on a good show. Let's, give, let's show them what we can do today, guys. Like, and there's an admittance before you started that you're going to lose. And I don't, it's not, now you've mentioned it, it's not something that I hear a lot of other people saying now, right? Saying, oh, we're not going to win today. Everybody seems to want the win. Everybody wants to want the success. But I think if you can go out and keep going, even though there is no glory, there is no success, then you are going to develop and grow and and learn and build that internal determination to keep going. Yeah, I totally agree. The great coaches within sports who realise that they will not concentrate on the win or the loss. Or if you're going into a game where you know you're going to lose, they'll set the team three goals. Three goals to achieve throughout the match and maybe an individual goal. And therefore, no matter what the result is, if you've achieved those mini goals, then you've walked away, you've developed, you've you've got something to achieve in the process. And it's like a business plan. You, in te- you may have the vision of in 10 years time to be turning over a million pound profit or, or whatever it may be. But in order to get there, you've also got to set yourself a weekly goal, your annual objectives, where we're going to look, try to be in two years. And then you soon forget about that long-term vision because it's it's about the little wins along the way in order to gain that success. Yeah, and it's not something I hear a lot outside of the sport, my sporting history. When I've worked in businesses, businesses have ambitious goals and... It's rare that people will stand up and say to their colleagues and their and their friends in the business, we're not going to deliver against that. We're just not going to achieve it. Yeah. Um, it's not possible because of all these different things. What they tend to do is create excuses as to why they're not going to do it. Um, and then they reset targets and reset goals. And I think there's, there's something in admitting that we're not going to win 
right now. We're not going to succeed right now, but what can we deliver? Um, yeah. And just being open and honest with it. Um, and, I, and it's funny, I was writing an article yesterday thinking about um, individual performance. And one of the things I love about sports is clearly the t- is team. Team matters. But it's also a collection of people who need to do their job, to do, to do their job to the best of their ability. And sometimes that's the focus. It's not about the overall result. It's about my individual performance today or my, you know, and, and as a coach, the individual performance of a few key people that you want to focus on to improve. Because if we if we constantly improve as individuals, then as a team, we're going to start to build forward. And I don't know if that's echoed through the business world in the same way. It is. It, it's, it's all about your own experiences. One of my, for me, it's always been about the team, whether it's in sport or in business. And even when an individual achieves the Olympic gold medal at the high jump, that one person who gets all the accolades, he knows or she knows they're backed up by a whole team of people and the sporting centre and the wider team and the the family team that got them to the training when they were young. It's a collective effort of many uh, many people. Even though... uh, it may look as though the individual has done it. An individual never does anything alone. And it, for me, in order, part of that grit and determination is is finding strength in that team and finding strength from other people. And if you always have that mindset of, I need a strong team, be that a strong family. So I'm forever grateful of my wife and my children, my, my core family. And then I have some really good friends that I can have a laugh and a joke with away from family, away from business. And they'll give me a ribbon and we can just discuss other things. And then in the business sense, I've got a wonderful business partner. I've got some mentors that I bounce off, off ideas and it's it's never your own journey. It's never a single journey. One of my old bosses in, in rugby league, he he established Bullmania and he established a, a club that just went through the roof. And his name was Gary Tasker. And he always said, uh, he was the number two at the governing body at the time. And he recognised that he just what what he wanted his leadership style was to surround himself with better people than him so i was one of 10 people around him part of part of his team and his entire focus was developing us as individuals and then highlighting chris you're really good at this julia you're really good at this and he said we're a team we're a team of administrators that's going to achieve uh, great things. I'll invest in you, you invest in me, and together we'll do more. And we did. We we At first, we had one or two million as a, as a budget to cover the whole country. And by the time we finished, about eight years later, working together as a team, that budget, we acquired £29 million. So the budget had gone through the roof due to 
all the programs and the funding acquisitions uh, that that we'd got. So we blew it out of the water. And that was because he recognised that it was a collective success. It was not about him. It was about the collection of individuals that are around him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And this, in terms of grit and determination and, and that team effort, that founding stories are always really interesting for me and people starting businesses. A friend of mine down in London, he has had two businesses during his lifetime and it's the same roughly the same age as me i think it's about 47 he's had two businesses within that time with over 150 staff within each business mm. and he's now working on his his third third one but whilst we were young he lived on our friend's couch for over a year in london mm. taking no salary he had no money for rent he would have been on the streets if uh, a mutual friend of ours hadn't said, oh, you can keep on our sofa. And a lot of self-sacrifice went into establishing establishing that at the beginning. And it's yeah. there's a, one of our customers is called Didsbury Gym, and they're now sold globally. They are sold in airports, on planes in supermarkets, in numerous bars all over the all over the all over the world. And the founder of that is a guy from Manchester. And he made gin, him and his friend made gin in his house. And they put it in a bottle, <laughs> took it to a high end retail store called Harvey Nichols yeah. in Manchester. They loved it. They loved the brand, they loved the look, they loved the taste. They bought it, they were doing the legal agreements and they found out during the legal process and the acquirement process that it actually made moonshine in his house. Yeah, and I was just going to legally couldn't, he legally couldn't, couldn't sell, sell it. it. So, so he said, he said, I really apologise. Harvey Nichols understood he was a, a young person at the time. And the, the young person said, give me six months and I will come back and I will deliver you a legal gin same bottle same everything and they yeah. said fine he went away he got a twenty five thousand pound loan a startup loan for a business and he established the gym went back put it in they bought it harvey nichols six months other retail establishments bought it and within a, he got on dragon's den he passed it within a year he'd been offered a million pound for his shares and he turned it down and it's been offered a lot more ever, ever since. Uh, and it, the amount of determination in order to get to that end result of somebody offering you a million pound or somebody offering a few million pound to get to that stage, which sounds brilliant, the amount of effort and determination that's gone in and the failure to get into that point is huge. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and the courage, I think it's courage that I hear there as well of going to not just our retailer, but the retailer um, yeah. to, to offer them a product with no experience, no background. Um, and, and just to say, I think this is, I think this will do well with your customers. That's enormous amount of courage. And having worked in retail for years, getting that meeting with the buyers in there is a challenge in itself. That's not just 
I sent somebody an email, they replied and said, come in tomorrow. You know, he's, he's had to persevere to get that meeting. And that's a great example of um, what we, you were just talking about earlier, of success that people see, right? So he, oh, you know, he went to Harvey Nichols and he got a meeting with a buyer and they loved his products and his brand. That's a statement, that's a sentence that's got probably weeks and months of, of action and activities in there to, to find out who the buyer is, to try and get a phone number, to try and get an email address, yeah. to email, to get ignored, to chase up, to, you know, just to get that meeting. That's not counting then the fact that he was developing the brand and, and all the stuff that he went through to produce the product just to get to that first meeting and the buyer then says, all right, it's a great product. I like it. Um, yes, I'm happy to order it. And then realize that he can't sell it. I mean, most people at that point would just say, oh, well, there's, you know, what, what a waste of my time. Let's just give up. Because effectively he's at scratch. There's no guarantee that when he comes back six months later, they're going to want to buy it still. The buyer might have moved on. The market might have moved on. A lot of people at that point go, oh, it failed. I'll start again. But no, he's kept going. Yeah. No, exactly right. There's a, a wonderful program on Granada at the moment. Um, me and my wife have been watching it. It's called You and Me. And there was a, a scene last night where the couple were together and very close to kissing. And then the, the, the girl said, Oh, can you teach me how to to box? And th so they're teaching him. And then the the girl said, "Oh, what if I don't uh, want to get hit?" And he said, "Step back." So she stood back. And then he said a great line. He said, "But now you won't get hit, but you can't punch me. So you won't lose, but you won't win either." And so in order to win. You have to take the knocks. You have to put yourself in a situation where you are going to get hit with a problem, with an issue, whatever it is, and in order to get that result. And if you do take a step back and you put yourself in a position where you'll never have any problems, really you won't achieve any success or gain any small wins because you've not got close, you've not put yourself in the mix in order to get yeah. to gain that win. And I yeah. thought it was a yeah, little beautiful moment that related to grit and determination. Oh, I, yeah, it's really, it is really thought provoking. And I, and I think accepting that bad things happen changes your mindset. You know, what you're saying there is I don't want to get hit. Okay, you don't have to get hit, but you're not going to be successful. Um, but then accepting that when you step into that ring, you're going to get hit, um, then means now I just need to deal with how I'm going to get hit. And I think that's important for for grit and determination. It's like how um, I wrote an article recently about um, testing yourself. Um, so if you could, could you influence somebody to go water rafting with you if they were scared of the water or if they were a non-swimmer and one of the points that I raised in there that a couple of people commented on was that if if they say to you I don't want to fall in the water there's no point saying to them don't worry it's not going to happen 
because the chances are that when you're rafting, you're going to end up in the water. What you need to know is how to deal with it when you do. Yeah. And that's a completely different mindset. And I, and I, one of the things I'm really proud of in, in, from a sporting history is I think rugby league is one of those sports where if you don't have heart, it, it shows within the first five minutes. And I, I've seen some very talented people who didn't have heart for it and, and didn't accept that it wasn't always going to go their way. They were going to get knocked around. They were going to, um, you know, get, get hit hard and didn't want to have to put their shoulder into a tackle. And, and it shows straight away. But, but if, if you had the mindset that success only comes on the other side of the hard work, and I need to accept the sweat and the the tears and the and the knocks. Then you can adjust to it. Yeah, totally agree. Another relating aspect to that is, in order to have great determination and, and grit, then you also need to focus on what's gone on before and your and yourself as a person and your you so. In order to put the effort into the game, then you also you had to have undergone a lot of training sessions leading up to the game and be happy with your preparation for that game. And you'd see in a sporting sense, those that are not determined or just give up straight away is probably because they know that their performance is going to be poor. So their preparation's been poor. They've not had good training. They were out the night before. And so a key aspect of having great determination and grit is also improving yourself, your, your mind, body, and soul, and being happy with yourself and investing time into yourself in order to know that you, you at least have the capability in order to show show up well on the field or show up well in business and contribute to the business meeting or contribute to that particular business because you do have the skill sets and the fortitude to offer yeah. to offer something that reminds me of um this the concept of intentional practice and i'm a big fan of intentional practice and you mentioned earlier on around uh training and and getting yourself prepared and, and de determination. And I think intentional practice plays such an important role in this that all the successful people I know do intentional practice. And that's not just, it's not yeah. playing, it's intentional playing. And one of the great examples I read recently, there's a, there's a really good book called Bounce by Matthew Syed. It's fairly old, but it's, um, it's really relevant. And it talks about... Uh, it connects to the 10,000 hours rule of practice, but it, it's it's not the 10,000 hours rule. It's talking about intentional practice and really creating the right environment for success. And it's a really good, interesting, uh, real life read of lots of sporting stories. And one of the examples they gave is around golf. And lots of people play golf. I have lots of friends who play golf and they play golf regularly. And that when they go out, they play a round of golf. They meet up their friends and they'll play a round. They might do it two or three times a week um, and they enjoy it, but they're never going to get better. And the reason they're not going to get better is because it's not intentional practice. 
And the example he gives is, if you find, if you hit a ball from the tee and it lands in the rough, um, you then hit that ball out of the rough back onto the green or back onto the fairway and, and you carry on playing. If you want to be intentional practice, you, you don't play a round of golf. You go out one day and you drop half a dozen balls into the rough in, a, in around about the same position and you practice hitting the ball from the rough. And that's, that's what you do that day. That's intentional practice. That means that the next time you're playing and the ball lands in the rough, you're much more comfortable and capable with your own ability to hit it out or to, to do a difficult shot. And there's a huge difference between people who show up each day and say, yes, I'm, yes, I'm determined, I keep going. And those people who do so with real intention to say, I'm going to put myself in difficult positions and, and situations because I'm going to use it to learn so that I can be better in the future. Yeah, absolutely. When, when I've, whenever a problem has happened, the first thing I always do is look in the mirror. And not in a physical sense, because there's nothing to look at, but in terms of self-reflecting upon my individual performance within the scenario that led to the failure. Because there's three circles in life that those that the aspects that you can control, aspects you can influence, and those you have no control over. And the only two circles to concentrate on is yourself and on the influence circle. The control circle primarily is just you and your own actions. And it's the, the most, the biggest thing you have the most control over. So even when a team fails, each individual should always have some self-reflection reflection on what they could have done better. And the other important thing to note is you need a mentor and you need to be part of a team because sometimes you don't realize your, why you're failing and mm. why there's a poor performance in you or it's actually your fault. So you need somebody to say, actually, Chris, you should have done this and this mm. is why you should have done this. And you yeah. learn from that and you come through it and each failure is an opportunity to learn and grow and, and next time you'd be slightly better. And you may fail again, but that's part of grit and determination. It does link into your self-governance as a person, but, but also that wider team as well and being part of a, a wider team, all aspects of which give you greater determination and, and grit in order to get there. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think the idea of a mentor and a coach to help you understand what you don't know. What are the things that you're not seeing? What are the things that um, you're blind to for whatever reason that you could improve on? And, and to direct that intentional practice is so phenomenal. I mean, I, I was thinking the other day about um, Lionel Messi, you know, probably one of the greatest footballers that's ever lived, signing for uh, his contract in Miami, arriving at the team training um, at the team ground on the on Monday morning, and the coach saying, "Right, we're going out onto the training grid, uh, field," and Lionel Messi saying, "No, no, I don't do that. Um, I've been doing this for years. 
Um, I'm, I'm good at what I do. I don't need to do training. And it just it just wouldn't happen. It, it never happens. He's He is who he is because he's prepared to put in the work on the training field, listen to his coaches, listen to his mentors, take advice and support. And yet in business, there are so many people I know who who don't want to take that direction, don't want to go to training and do intentional practice to, to sharpen their skills and to improve because they feel that they know it all. And that honesty you talk about there, the reflection in the mirror and self-governance is so important to have the right attitude and be prepared to, to continue learning. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm lucky. I've just had a, a lot of good mentors. My first ten years within rugby league, I was being groomed to be a chief executive of a club or a governing body, and the person who was developing me and giving me lots of different types of roles, he left, and then a new person came in called Ralph Rimmer to run the sport, and he. He followed suit what Gary was doing with me. And he said, I want you to be the salary cap manager. And I said, salary cap manager? I've got, I've never done finance. I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm not into finance. I like maths and I used to like maths, but the, I, I'm not a finance person. I'm not an accountant. And Ralph said to me, but you want to become a chief executive. And the key aspect of being a good chief executive Yes, you've got leadership skills. Less you've it's got good administration, project work. You're a good all-round person to lead people. But finance is a key aspect of it. And I said, okay, I'm not very happy about doing this, but <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. I spent two years doing it, the first six months of which was working with an accountant, uh, Steve Williams, and we we did all the salary cap audits and when we were doing the financial audits, once you've done 10 or 20, it's not rocket science. And you, if you've got the aptitude to do it, you can pick it up. And then by the end of it, it was improving the practices within the salary cap field. And, uh, and we found a, a few clubs out. But by the end of the two years, I was proficient within finance then. And at the end of that role, I then got offered a... a CEO role to run uh, a governing body and it was all the steps that I'd taken in the 10 years previously that led to a, a board of directors saying Chris would make a good chief executive and therefore I got my first chief executive role due to all the intentional practice that I'd done leading up to that role as well. Yeah. Doing the things you didn't really enjoy doing, you didn't really want to do, but are essential as a foundation for success. In order to get to where you need to be, absolutely right. So linking to sport, every world record holder, so the, the world record holder at high jump has failed, not just at that height where he, where he succeeded uh, one day, but he's failed at numerous heights at a much lower level. Yeah. And everybody forgets the failures and the failures that you've got to get through in order to, to achieve the goal and, and be successful. 
in what whatever's viewed as successful these days. Yeah, right, it's whatever we view as success is important. Chris, it's been a fantastic conversation. As ever, we run out of time. Final question to you is: is what advice would you give to a twelve-year-old you? I have very few regrets in life, and because failures and problems are just there and the learning opportunities. And he, as the door closes, a new one opens. And I'm currently 46 years of age. I'm married with kids, very happy, good business. But to my 12-year-old self, a core aspect of life is family. And my dad passed away in his early 20s. In my early 20s, sorry, not in his early 20s. In my <laughs> early 20s. And my nan passed away last week and I was there with my dad on his deathbed and I was holding his hand. And the only people around your deathbed are your family. It's your yeah. your brothers and your sisters, your parents and your, and your children. And at 12, at teenage years, you're out, you move away from your parents, then university. I was living in London for a few years. Didn't see as much of my dad and then it was too late he'd gone and it's the same with other aspects you need relating it to grit and determination you need a, a really solid foundation from which to jump from and a, a core aspect of that is your family and at, the, at this moment in time it's my wife and my children and my mom and my sister and my aunties but you need to see more of them in order to have a much stable foundation in which to jump. And it makes life more enjoyable. And mm. yeah, so for me, it would be to see more of um, my dad and my and my family because uh, time flies. Time absolutely flies. And they are important and they keep you happy, keep your soul happy. So yeah, that's yeah. my advice. So build build a solid foundation of the family that's around you and, and relish the time you have with them. Beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> if Chris, you don't smell if you don't fun. smell the roses along the way and you don't recognise the, the great moments in life and the good moments in life, then really what gives you that grit and determination to get there again? That's what you need to stop and smell the roses is in order to get that success once again or achieve that moment in your life uh, that's great again yeah i couldn't agree more i think enjoying the little moments as as time passes are just fantastic and those little those there are those little successes or little great moments and um i think those are the things that we'll remember and those are the stories that we tell love it love it thanks chris wonderful conversation um, if people want to learn more about Play It Green and a bit more about you, where can they find you? Just look us up on a search engine. We're a Manchester-based online subscription service and platform, and we help people to lower their carbon footprints and make an ongoing environmental and social impact. So if you want to do something on climate change, you want to be greener as a person or as a business, we're just a great starting point uh, for you to begin your journey. Beautiful. Thank you. That was Thinking Outside the Fox with me, Chris Webber. Our next episode is out in two weeks. Join us 
for more great conversations on how to build winning customer relationships. I'm looking forward to it.